Today's show is made possible by Florence Marine X. John John is, of course, at G-Land right now. They're in the middle of that waiting period. They've run one day of competition, um, waiting for a little bit of more swell to arrive. I think there's about five days left in the window. So we should get something, but uh, John John is undoubtedly wearing his hooded rash guard in the free surfs there. This is a product that I'm sure we all agree. We didn't even know that we needed. And then once you've tried one, you wonder where it's been your entire life. Obviously a key detail for this product is sun protection. So the rash guard is long sleeves, obviously it protects your arms. The three panel hood gives you the added sun protection for your head, neck, and face. It is a UPF 50 plus rating, four-way stretch, light compression fit, flat lock stitching, so it's low profile and prevents chafing. There's actually a board short tie loop that sits just inside the waist hem, so you can actually tighten it in turbulent waters. It's an incredible product, best in class, of course, pairs perfectly with the Florence Marine X board shorts. And as a listener, you can benefit from 20% off your first purchase on FlorenceMarineX.com with our promo code. And that is the word SURF. Super simple to remember. And uh, I think these guys are doing great work, making great products. And they're podcast listeners as well, as I stated a few weeks back. So I think it's great to be able to kind of support our listeners and share the incredible work that they're doing with you, fellow listeners. So FlorenceMarineX.com, our promo code is the word SURF, and you save 20%, which, by the way, expires at the end of June. So just this month, save 20% off your first purchase. FlorenceMarineX.com, promo code SURF. Enjoy. And Slow Tide is also with us again, and uh, they've been a longtime partner. We're thrilled to have them. They make some incredible beach towels, beach blankets. That's kind of what I have used them for traditionally. They've also introduced some home products as well, so blankets for the house, uh, bath robes, and bath towels as well. Slowtide.co is their website. They just sent me a little care package, a brand new oversized beach towel. I wish that I needed more of these in my life because they have so many epic designs uh, that I want more. I just only generally need one beach towel at a time. Uh, They also sent me a Turkish towel, which is insane. I never would have purchased this on my own but it has a different feel entirely. It's still 100% cotton, 100% Turkish cotton, uh, but it's very lightweight. It somehow dries three times faster than a standard cotton towel. It's unbelievably soft. It's also oversized, almost double the width of a standard towel. It's also sand resistant, which is incredible. It just doesn't really pick up sand. And then because it's lightweight, it just is compact and it packs up super tight. So this would be an ideal travel towel, throw it in a board bag or a backpack Uh, and it's made from 100% sustainably sourced cotton so that's a really cool feature as well that is the Turkish towel 
And uh, you can get all of this on slowtide.co. Of course, they are well-known for their changing ponchos, so grab one of those as well. You get free shipping on orders that are $75 or more, and then you get 20% off when you use our promo code, which is Surf Splendor Podcast. All one word, all lowercase. It's a lot of letters, but Surf Splendor Podcast is the promo code for 20% off on slowtide.co. Enjoy. Pro surfer turned media man Dylan Graves is our guest today. And we don't normally interview a ton of pro surfers, but this past year Dylan has used his popular vlog, Weird Waves, to pivot into Breaking Waves, and he's used that platform to dissect social issues that surf media historically has willfully ignored. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Waves, a series focusing on some of the more neglected topics in surfing. My name is Dylan Graves. Meeting new people and discovering unique surf communities around the world has been the highlight of my career. It's no secret our sport has its fair share of social dilemmas that seem to be extremely polarizing. And we wanted to get closer to some of them, at least from a surfer's perspective, to see if that made things any clearer. Through doing this series, Dylan has done something that so many of his pro surfing cohorts have struggled to do. He's successfully transitioned his pro surf career into a new chapter, and in it, he's found more meaning and purpose than he ever found in his free surf glory days. So today, we will discuss that journey, the motivations, and his imperative to expand surfing's inclusivity. My name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Dylan Graves. How's how's Australia? Uh, it's yeah, it's it's been awesome. Um, yeah, the waves have been uh, really good. Um, I kind of tweaked my ankle the other day, so I've just been kind of chilling but they were really good before i hurt my ankle and yeah i've just been kind of just relaxing where exactly have you been uh just on the goldie pretty much yeah okay um what's what's Um, the purpose of the trip and who are you with um just i'm with my family no way Uh, yeah we're just uh kind of been um well trying to figure out a way to, um, move here. Really. My wife's Australian. Um, so she, she doesn't have a problem moving here, but we're trying to work out like getting my partner visa. Um, so yeah, we've just been kind of hanging out with fam and, um, yeah, just trying to figure out how to become a dual citizen. (laughs) Is she from the gold coast? She grew up in Cabarita, um, which is like 30 minutes south of the Goldie. She Can she work? Does she have a job there or does she have that lined up? Um, yeah, she had a job offer um, at the start of the year. And we were kind of like, well, what do we do? Like, do we come over here and try it? Like, what, you know, like, 
what do we do? And um, yeah, we just, we had kind of been kicking around the idea of, um, you know, moving over here for a few years now. We we're actually thinking like right around COVID, we're like, should we just go over there and do a little stint and try it out? And then COVID hit and we were kind of just, you know, like everyone else just stuck at home. Um, and so once things kind of started, uh, you know, like all the bands and travel bands here started lifting, um, her mother was actually over uh, visiting and meeting our son for the first time, like after all that, cause they hadn't even met. And, um, yeah, she was just kind of like seeing if there, there was job offers over here and jobs in the States. And she ended up kind of, um, finding one that she was really amped on. She's, uh, now the production manager at uh, this company, Zulu and Zephyr. Amazing. Yeah. How, old, how old's your son? Uh, he's 21 months. Okay. So does he have an appreciation yet for being in a different location? Um, I think he has an appreciation for having just being around family. Like, I don't yeah. think he realizes, I don't know if he is old enough to grasp the concept of where we are and what we're doing, but he's got a lot of family like uh, around and who have been like, you know, hanging out with them and just a lot more faces around, just especially like me and my wife, like I, I grew up in Puerto Rico um, and my wife's Australian and we were living in California for the last five years. And um, yeah, uh, he, we didn't have any like family support because both our families were in like other locations. So um, yeah, we're like, we're obviously very stoked to have some family support with him. And, and also um, from his point of view, just having more people around and, and uh, I guess influences has been really cool. He's really lit up since we've been here. It's been rad. So was he born during COVID? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he was uh, born in um, August uh, 2020. Okay. August 15, right, 20. right in the thick of it then. Yeah. Right in the thick of it. Yeah. They almost didn't want to let me in to like, to be with her, like in the um, delivery room. Right. It was like crazy. Like we were, yeah, it was, it was really it was awkward, um, like everything else during that time. But um, then afterwards, like, you know, once uh, he came out and we we're at home, there's nothing really going on. So it was kind of rad um, right. in that sense, because we were just like, you know, trying to find our feet as parents and all that. And <laughs> totally. And so this is yeah. the first big trip. Yeah. So we went to Puerto Rico, actually, um, when he was six months old. Uh, to meet my family okay and then uh we went down there again a few months later um because he kind of nailed that trip and then um yeah so that was a pretty big trip with him um yeah like you know 14 hour journey or whatever that is and now it's uh and then we went the other way and came to australia and um yeah flew what is it you get no you lose a day coming this way and then you gain a day going back so he lost a day yeah we have we just had our first child as well and he's six months old right now oh no way and yeah okay. and so we're starting like we both are accustomed to traveling regularly yeah. and we haven't been able we haven't been able to obviously for the last two years 
now he's here. And so we're going to wait, you know, another six months or something, but we're starting to map out what that looks like and yeah. hoping for the best with him on a plane and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. You just got to charge it. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, whatever, I know you can't let but... them hold you back, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, it, it, they're, they kind of just find their feet and, um, yeah, we had one shocker, um, and two really good experiences. So, okay, good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I wanted to start our conversation, um, with asking you, how is it that you've become one of the pioneering voices in surf media, addressing social issues and social change in surfing, um, through the breaking wave series, essentially, I think of you as a pro surfer. And now this is like a whole new hat that you're wearing. So how did this happen? Um, well, yeah, it was kind of, you know, just number one, like, I mean, I'm a human being, um, and you know, Pat, like, I guess that's kind of where it all starts. And, you know, during the height of, of, uh, you know, the, or just, I guess in the wake of, of like George Floyd and, and that whole kind of movement, it was kind of like, I don't know. I just felt like with, as far as like, from a surf standpoint, like it, it, surfing just never seemed to like want to get involved or like explore like any topics outside of just being in the water. And so that was kind of, you know, really like where it all started it was just like you know seeing all that stuff go down being a surfer um and having salema um be sort of at the forefront of of bringing that you know into the surf world and being like hey like you know this this affects us too like obviously um so we just kind of i'd been friends with him for a while and we were just kept kind of having a few conversations like we just met up for a few surfs and just kind of like talking about stuff and you know hearing his point of view on everything was like gosh this is like I mean this is a simple thing to just talk about it you know and it doesn't have to be this crazy taboo thing because you know like he said in um you know the the race and inclusivity uh episode was um he said uh like the idea that we we that for some people that we are even having the conversation is like not here you're fucking up the vibe well the vibe's already fucked up but having the conversation is actually like to make the vibe not fucked up fucked up you know anytime he would like post about it on his social media or anything like that he's you know he felt like he would just kind of get shut down people were like hey don't bring that shit into the water but like you know, as we're seeing, like over the last few years, like it does come into the water and people bring like their own kind of vibe into the water. So it's just kind of trying to talk about that stuff for, you know, like just like in our sport, you know, of course it's happening. Like, no, we're not immune to any of that stuff. And um, yeah, why shouldn't we be talking about that stuff? Like, you know, the ocean, the beach is a place of healing. It's somewhere that you know, has uh, really helped me throughout my life. And so that's really kind of where it's, it began was, you know, just that thought of, 
of not having the ocean be that safe place for me to kind of go and get away and, and like sort of recharge to go back into society because society is exhausting, right? <laughs> you know, and, and surfing allows that us that escape. And, you know, if you're, if someone's kind of looking at you for, I don't know how your hair is or color of your skin or whatever in the water, then it's like, they're not getting that chance. And that's yeah. just BS. Like, <laughs> so that's kind of, that's really where it came from. Like it's, it's a, just, it's a nice, so is it a spinoff from weird waves? Is it going to be its own series or are those just two isolated episodes? Um, those were kind of just two isolated episodes, but um, yeah, we've kind of been thinking about, you know, just ways to keep shooting that series. Cause it was just such a, um, I don't know, it was such a, a crazy learning experience for, for us making it. Um, and that's kind of, I think my favorite thing, you know, as I'm kind of getting more involved in productions, um, and sort of, yeah, getting my hands dirty with all that is, um, I just, I want to learn things and I want to become a better person from working on these, these edits, like, you know, just, I feel like the, your con, your just stock standard, like surf porn, like, yeah, cool. I rip. It's like, it's not that fulfilling, you know, like you're like, cool. Yeah. Really? All right. That, that felt great. And obviously like, I love surfing and I love pushing myself and that's one side of it. But, you know, I feel like being a human being and trying to function, you know, as you know, now I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a father, you know, I want to try to push myself in other ways and, you know, try to become like a more well-rounded human being. Um, and obviously now, you know, role model for my son. <laughs> so that's yeah. just a heavy weight, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I want, I, I guess I just want to try to push myself. Well, yeah, it's definitely has a very different weight. The breaking waves videos have very different weight and gravity than the weird waves videos. I feel like the weird waves videos exist in the realm of surf vlogs and there's a bunch of other um content that exists in that genre the breaking wave series exists on its own because there's nobody else addressing those topics there's nobody else having those conversations um we're having some of those conversations in the podcast realm but in the mm -hmm. video surf video realm you're the first one and that's why i started out by saying like you're the pioneering mm -hmm. voice in that space whether you intended to or not, you know? I don't know if I'm the a pioneering voice. There's a lot of conversations already being had in the video realm and people trying to kind of shed light on this. Um, but I do, I guess, I guess what we, you know, ended up finding out what worked and this, you know, we kind of learned this from Weird Waves was, you know, I guess using myself as a vehicle to, for people to kind of latch onto as, you know, their representative in the, like in the episodes that we do. So it's like, I'm trying to ask the questions that I feel like I would be asking if I was watching the piece, like if I was the viewer. So I'm trying yeah. to like operate as the viewer. And so that was really powerful with breaking waves because yeah, I feel like we had, it offered a little bit of, you know, it was both sides of that, of, of these issues, you know, like asking, like coming from someone, you know, like Salema was obviously representing 
uh, a black man in surfing and I was just representing, you know, your average, I don't know, white dude, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, let me ask you this in that episode, you said, um, not only did you realize how much racism still existed, quote, existed in our sport, but you also felt that you were contributing to the mm -hmm. ignorance surrounding the topic. Can you explain uh, what you meant by that? Yeah. So as I was having these conversations um, with Salema um, and also um, with, you know, all the different people we kind of linked up with um, throughout, you know, shooting those, those two episodes, which there was a lot, you know, we went to two uh, queer surf meetups with Kyla. Um, and I was just realizing that, well, one, I almost felt hesitant to say stuff or like, you know, to say the wrong thing. I didn't want to offend anybody. Um, and I did kind of say the wrong things, you know, at, at certain times. And sort of, that was sort of like my main takeaway from that is, is, was that that's okay. Like people, you're going to do that. Like we are ignorant. We don't know what it's like, you know, to be, to be gay, to be black. Um, it, and so I think asking those, those questions are, you know, it's a way forward, you know, making those mistakes, like any failure, there's a lot to learn from and take away to better yourself. So that was sort of what I meant by that was, you know, um, I guess I, I didn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. I think you mentioned it. Um, yeah. In the queer surf episode, you were talking to Leanne Curran and you started off the conversation by just saying, you're uncomfortable asking her about her sexuality and yeah. and uh it's kind of odd because if you're hetero you never have to address the fact that you're hetero you never have totally. to discuss it but right. i also feel like bringing up the conversation about sexuality like you did with leanne automatically segregates her and non-hetero right. people just by making a conversation about it it's now we're yeah. now creating a separation but at the same time you want to bring the you want to at least bring the uh topic up onto the table to normalize the conversation and start to address and erode the stereotypes or whatever so it is a very kind of precarious or interesting time that transitional period of when you're normalizing things yeah exactly i mean there uh have you ever been asked about your heter heterosexuality? No, no. <laughs> and because I haven't, like, I, and I wouldn't be offended if somebody did. Yeah. But, but I do understand the absurdity of even, like, I mean, I'm ready to get to the point because personally, I don't care what Leanne is or what she's interested in or anybody else for that matter. But right. a lot of other hetero people do you know, and will discriminate because of it. So there is kind of an incumbence upon hetero or people that are in media, the media space period to have the conversations and to allow the platform for anybody who's exist, uh, suffering a plight to discuss the plight and normalize the discussion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. I mean, it's, 
it's definitely it's just kind of trying to shift you know the the perspective a little bit you know into into that um realm of it being normal i guess you know um as silly as that sounds but that's that's really it it's you know that was sort of the goal with these episodes um was to yeah i mean even just showing people you know like talking about it i feel like you know when you see someone else having that conversation you it's it kind of already like just by even if we i didn't ask her about her sexuality um i feel like it you know just us kind of talking around like the like any sort of topics um even just in surfing i think it's just powerful because that is that's that is normal and that you know like that's what is so brain frying like when you you know i feel like with social media and everything it it once someone's sexuality or something comes into it it creates this divide and then there is just like finger pointing and commenting you know like and faceless commenting back and forth you know where like even on my own instagram and stuff there was just a lot of uh for the most part is really positive but there were those you know just kind of ignorant comments of like you know keep this shit out of surfing all that stuff you know salama was talking about it's like it's there and like yeah i'm you know i i grew up in in puerto rico um and yeah hetero and people were coming at me for stuff they're like i can't believe you do this you know like or try to bring this into surfing it's like it's in it's there yeah (laughs) whether you choose to like uh accept that or not like the there these conversations are being had um you know so um it's definitely an interesting journey (laughs) to say i know i'm I was going to ask you if you got any blowback because the kind of presumption going into those two episodes, or maybe it was just explicitly stated is established surfing is uh, racist. And so if that is true, it would stand a reason that you would get blowback for those episodes, you know, and that the industry would say, we're not interested uh in you doing this we're not going to support you doing this how overt was the blowback or was it just in comment sections i mean it's kind of it feels too close to really even tell um still but i mean for the most part it was just comment sections um yeah like i guess just on my my instagram on in the youtube comments which you know at the same time is kind of like whatever anyways yeah totally <laughs> um you know i i think my favorite thing that i took away from those was was uh you know just conversations with friends that i never thought subjects like this would come up um in our in our daily lives and we had like multiple talks and like long discussions over it which was rad um just to kind of talk level head headedly with friends in my life that I cared for about it was really meaningful um and and even family members and stuff um that was I guess that was cool uh, you know from I guess just a positive um taking something positive away from you know like the the divide I guess you know 
um, yeah. in my own life. Uh, that was kind of cool. Good. Glad to hear that. Uh, yeah. I think too, I'm glad the people who are commenting with blowback, I'm glad to make them um, uncomfortable too in their own space in a space that they've occupied. Like yeah. they it's need okay it. We all them. need it. Totally. Like, totally. I think that's the, you know, like that's the way that's how we grow and like evolve as humans is being uncomfortable. You know, if we're all just comfortable, yeah. then we're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, how narrow was your view of surfing when you were growing up? Um, in what sense? Like just, I grew up, so I grew up in orange County. Yeah. White, you know, middle-class white kid in orange County. Um, and riding pointy thrusters. And that's all that I knew or cared about for the next 20 years. And so I started the podcast like 10 years ago and it totally opened my eyes because listeners wanted to hear um, interviews from surfboard shapers who didn't shape pointy thrusters ultimately. Mm. And I was just yeah. like, what, what, what in the <laughs> world? Why would you even care about that? And it really, the experience of essentially being guided by listeners opened my mind to what surfing, how broad surfing was mm -hmm. and kind of, it's taken a long time and years and years, but I've realized the pointy thruster thing is actually the smallest little category in surfing. The vast majority of surfers around the world are not riding that. And, um, and I'm just talking about the surfboards themselves, but when you start to look at the color of people's skin and their sexual orientation and all mm -hmm. of that, then it's even broader, you know, and I just had no awareness of any of it until literally the last 10 years, probably. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I would say I was with you with the thruster mentality. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Growing up, that's all I really wanted, but um, I was fortunate to have uh, parents that surfed and um, uncles that surfed. And so they would always try to open my mind um, as much as they could, I was pretty stubborn with, you know, and, and especially once I started kind of competing and stuff, I was like, I wanted nothing to do with, with twin fins or, um, long boards or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I think having influences like within my family, um, and just Puerto Rico, um, you know, I grew up at, at Hobo's beach and, it's a pretty, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's like a melting pot of, of different styles of, of surfer, um, you know, and, and just different people and, you know, from all over the Island and, and the Caribbean and just, you know, I guess, yeah, like down like Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, you know, all the way down to Barbados, there's just, I feel like it's, I always say it's a way to travel the world without um, breaking your bank because there's so many different cultures down there. So I was fortunate to grow up, um, you know, with, with all kinds of different ethnicities, like in the water and, um, you know, also just friends and, and um, even people, you know, different 
sexual orientations. Um, so I, I was exposed to a lot of that, which felt normal. So when, I guess when I started traveling and seeing, you know, not seeing that present in other places, I was like, what? <laughs> Especially as I got closer to doing like breaking wave stuff, it was like, wait, okay, shit, this is actually like, this is a problem and we do need to yeah. talk about it. Um, so maybe that did help me in recognizing um, reasons why to, to sort of get involved and, and do something. Cause that was another thing, like even personally, it was like, well, where, why, like what gives me the right to be involved in these, you know, in these conversations and ultimately um, cause they're, yeah, I mean, they're, they're sketch. They're, I mean, they're just like scary, like conversations to have, like, and you know, I guess just that voice in me, like doubting myself, I was like, you know, uh, like I shouldn't do this. Like, and that was, you know, a lot of what we talked about with Salema. It's like, Hey, am I even the person to be talking about this with you? And then, you know, it was sort of like, yeah, you are like, cause who else is doing it? <laughs> right. So, which is kind of, know, which totally. is kind of what I meant when I was saying you're pioneering the conversation. I know you're right. There's been other people, other videos made of people addressing and people creating organizations that direct directly address it. But you're a guy who has a platform with an audience who's taking on the conversation, you know, an already existing platform with the audience. And I felt the same way too, to like during black lives matter, because I had some of these conversations with Salema on air and I said to him, it's not my time to speak. I, I have a platform and an audience. So here's the microphone and it's your turn. You go ahead, tell us what's what, you know what I mean? And I think that you, I think you did a great job in both of those pieces in providing the listeners or the viewers a context and then getting out of the way and letting the experts speak, you know? Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, We, a lot went into it. And, you know, I, I also have to say, um, it's it's not just me like david malcolm is a genius and a brain when it comes to um but really everything in life but <laughs> yeah especially <laughs> production um yeah i learned so much from dave and that's what he's so fun to work with in that sense and i always try to you know just go in you know just sponge up the the time we get to spend together whether it's you know on the trips or just talking around productions or you know even um we uh just going fishing it's like (laughs) he always has like um some really cool perspective and yeah really knowledgeable like advice on what to to do like um or how to do something. So yeah, like it's definitely, I think the voice that's in the episodes is, is a blend of, of my own and Dave's. So I can't take credit for all of that. Uh, his genius is evident through yeah. his art, through his art direction and direction yes. in general. Um, who is Dave Malcolm? David Malcolm is a videographer. Um, he uh, is the director of photography for Weird Waves and Breaking Waves. And I've known Dave for, let's see, I think like 12 or 13 years now. We met um, on a trip 
uh, he was working for Transworld at the time, and they were filming a movie called, I think it was Let's Surf Seriously. I think that was the first trip me and Dave did together. Um, he, they came down to Puerto Rico and I hosted them at my house. And um, yeah, we ended up going on a few trips uh, after that um, for like the last um, like final section of the movie. We all went to Indo. So that was kind of like where our um, relationship began. And since then, we've just I've just loved working with him and going on trips with him. Like I just always appreciated his uh just effort that went into every trip and there wasn't like he was just taking it seriously <laughs> which is kind of hard to find really like in surfing because everyone's like yeah we're surfing like what's just surfing right and it is because yeah we're just on surf trips but you know like if you're trying to make anything into a business or or make a living off anything you kind of have to take it serious you know um somewhat seriously because that's if that's what's bringing home the bacon then you gotta like you know be like okay yeah let's have fun but all right here's like we gotta get this 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 and here's like here's the goal all right cool around that let's have a blast right <laughs> and he's always had that I feel like he taught me that mentality you know because before that I was just like yeah surfing like this is great <laughs> yeah um, like I'm just you know I feel like every surfer just is kind of like, yeah, I'm going to do this until, you know, cause it's a very short lived, uh, career. So you're just kind of like, you know, I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts and I'll go get a job afterwards, you know, we'll figure it out. But for now, party and waves. <laughs> yeah. So does Dave, um, what does he do when he's not making weird waves episodes? Um, he goes, he, he does trips for, um, and works for, um, he's an independent contractor, but he's done trips for, um, or does work for like Vice and um, like National Geographic. I don't know, all kinds of crazy stuff. He's um, he's a wizard. Um, he could pretty much do whatever he wanted to. I feel I feel like good. I'm glad yeah. that he's staying busy. Realwatersports.com is our retail partner. We love these guys. They are a great partner, and we've gotten fantastic feedback from you, listeners, uh, who have been making board purchases amazingly. In the two weeks that we've promoted John Pizel's boards uh, on here and featured him as a podcast guest, uh, it looks like the number of Pizel's has reduced on their website by 34 so I can't take credit for all 34 of those sales, but I would like to think that we had a, something to do with it. The reality is that uh, most of those sales can be attributed to Real Water Sports customer service and their track record. Uh, they're just phenomenal, and they can ship boards to you anywhere in the world for just one low flat fee. So they're located in America and North Carolina, but it doesn't matter where you are in the world. They will ship you the surfboard and again for one low flat fee so that's pretty epic and it is guaranteed to show up blemish free and uh yeah check out their wide inventory 1500 surfboards plus all of the accessories and accoutrement that you would need for any surf sesh or kite sesh or by the way foiling sesh it's not just surfboards so check them out because they're a great partner of ours realwatersports.com 
When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So let's dig into what you kind of just brought up, which is transitioning your pro surf career. I feel like the term pro surfer is more nebulous now than it's ever been before. Mm-hmm. Um, at once, it's kind of harder to make a living off surfing than ever before, but at the same time, you can really write your own ticket. And you're one example of somebody who has really deftly and successfully navigated the new landscape. Um, Did you ever have aspirations to make a living off competitive surfing? And how have you navigated this? Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, that's kind of, you know, being when you're younger and, you know, kind of like a junior, that's really the the only kind of avenue unless you just get plucked and onto some crazy trip that just elevates you in that like free surf realm. But yeah, starting off, um, I was competing with all my friends. Like I grew up with Brian Toth, uh, his brother, Wesley, um, you know, Alejandro and Nico Moreda, the Bergen brothers. Um, and they're all really good surfers. My brother, um, you know, and we kind of had this like really competitive, uh, little, uh, thing going on between all of us. And, uh, yeah, that, that was like really fun. I think that's kind of what I miss most about competing is just competing against those guys. Cause that was like what started it all. And that was like, I don't know, just a cool way for us all to kind of help climb the ladder of, of like progression. Um, and so that's kind of what got me into competitive surfing, um, when I look back on it and then, yeah, that was kind of really the only path. So yeah, start, you know, starting off, um, competing like everyone else and, and meeting people, um, that was like the most effective way to kind of see if, if that, if this was something that could go, you know, further. And I guess, um, be an excuse for me to tell my mom that I wasn't going to go to college. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what she expected you to do? I don't know. I guess I've never really asked her. I felt like she expected me to go to college. Um, And 
yeah, I was like, I always felt like, you know, my driving force was, was, uh, if I can make enough money from surfing, like whether it's sponsors or competing to show her that I've already got like, you know, like my living, then I feel like that would be able, that would be like a big enough reason for me not to go to college. And then I was able to do that. Um, so then after that, she was like, she kind of had some trust in me. She was like, okay, like you're, you kind of have your shit together enough to, you know, want to make a, a, like a career out of this. So like, go for it. Um, and I did. And so I, yeah, I started competing and I was, I was, I am a competitive person. Um, I think it just got to a stage where I felt pretty burnt out by the whole contest scene, even though like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's not like I was doing it for that long. It just never felt right. Like when I was doing it, I was kind of like, it felt like I was doing it for the right or the wrong reasons. You know, like once I started kind of getting further and further down that wormhole, I was like, gosh, I don't know why, but it's just, I'm not like inspired to do this. And I don't think if, even if I won every contest or qualified for the CT, that it would give me the, like, it, that it would be fulfilling for me. Um, and so I was kind of like, well, what are other ways to like, you know, I guess be a pro surfer, quote unquote, whatever that means. And I, you know, I, I liked a lot of the free surf guys and what they were doing. And I thought they were pushing the sport in a, in new ways, which kind of excited me. It was like, that was always something that, you know, uh, I guess meant more to me than just like winning in contests. It was like, well, if I'm able to find a new path and navigate a, a different career, then I'm opening a path for other generations to kind of follow me down that road and, you know, maybe do something, their own version of whatever that is, you know, but um, so that kind of, you know, once I, that thought kind of came to me and, and that ended up being like, you know, a, a driving force, um, you know, I met Scott Sissimus at Vans and they were just about to launch the Vans clothing program. And so, yeah, um, the Godowskis brothers who are longtime friends who I met competing and we traveled together, they introduced me to him and it just felt like, you know, the conversations I had with him and what he was trying to do at Vans, um, you know, with the surf program, I was like, wow, I think this is it. And it was, you know, I was writing for Quicksilver before that. Um, and, you know, Vans was an established brand, um, obviously then, but it wasn't what it is now where it was like a sure thing. It was like, oh, well, you know, companies try to, you know, have clothing programs all the time and buckle and I could just be left, you know, whatever, wherever that leaves me. And so I was like, well, it's, it's what I want. This is like the path that I would like to go down. And so I just kind of went for it and um, yeah, it took a few years. It actually took eight years to get uh, weird waves like off the ground and like out into the world. But um, ultimately that's what came from it. And yeah, weird waves and breaking waves. And I mean, there was a bunch of random just surf edits in the mix of that um, to sort of sustain, to get there. But that's essentially a short story long. <laughs> so uh, when did you, when did you sign with Vans? 
I signed, it was 2009, I think. Okay. So well over a decade now. Yeah. Um, yeah. They deserve a shout out for sure. I mean, how great is Vans for the surf industry? It's been insane. I mean, just what they're doing for the sport. I, I don't think people realize like the, you know, kind of what I was talking about before, just kind of creating more um, space and different avenues for people to have careers. I think they're, you know, from the triple crown to now the duct tapes, um, you know, it's like they've, they've really kind of started creating more space and different ways to think about surfing and also have a career in surfing. So props to them for sure for that. I complete, I completely agree. And also getting behind their athletes, um, in a very low, what feels like a loyal way, mm-hmm. you know, um, like being with you for all that time while you're transitioning. And I feel like other guys on, or guys and girls on the team as well, they back them through transitions in their career, you know, and let their careers evolve. So it feels, it feels like a more natural or organic and loyal relationship and partnership. So that's another thing too, just, um, I guess, longevity of people's careers. Like, you know, you look at Nathan Fletcher and and Joel Tudor and what they've each done for the sport, um, you know, wouldn't have been possible if they didn't back guys like that and get behind them, you know, especially at times like, you know, when, they weren't necessarily like the hottest, like they've always been relevant in surfing, but it wasn't like they were like the, you know, the guys or anything. And that's um, another just really cool thing. I think they've done over the years is kind of, um, I guess showed value in uh, like, I guess, or I guess it's loyalty or like, I don't know what it is. There's like some, x-factor shit going on (laughs) with like how they've you know kind of um just made their this manifested their success and success in their people like you know i feel like haven't always been the most confident person but vans did kind of instill that confidence in me you know with with kind of pursuing my goals and um i was very fortunate to have like their support and stuff um, to be able to get to where I'm at and have the opportunity that I've had with weird waves and, and yeah, now breaking waves and stuff. So um, thanks fans. Yeah. So <laughs> what do they, what do they expect of you? Cause um, the relation, the surfer sponsor relationship in the past is very tr- clear what the expectation yeah. was. And now it's again, much more nebulous. So what do they yeah. expect? Yeah. Well, now I've sort of taken on a producer role with Weird Waves. You know, I'm kind of responsible for, um, yeah, making that production happen. And from, you know, planning the trips to, you know, we have to, they require us to get everyone to sign like a release form. So after like these interviews, I'm getting people to sign release forms and I'm, yeah, like definitely wearing all kinds of hats. And I think that's just, um I don't know like par for the course I feel like you just have to like kind of get out there and get it you know <laughs> yeah. grab the bull by the horn so to speak to make you know if it's in the name of your dreams and and that like uh 
I don't know, greater good or, or that meaning for you in your life, then I guess you just gotta like, just gotta get it. <laughs> you gotta wear all the different hats and be yeah. the guy doing it. Yeah. So, so what do they expect from you though, as you know, a team writer and an athlete? Team is it a certain is it is a certain number of videos that you have to put out every year? Certain do you have an obligation? Well, now my obligation has mainly been around weird waves, and that's producing the four episodes. Um, gotcha. It's not in my contract or anything, but that's kind of what you know we've agreed. I guess what my salary is based off of, and what I guess the value that that brings bands. I guess I don't know. I've actually never really broke it down. You know, to I'm just assuming that's what you know the what my salary is based off of because that's pretty much like what I'm doing, like the majority of what my years are going into. Um, and I do like I go on other trips for them, whether it's like you know product shoots or you know if there's another team project going on or say triple crown stuff or um you know they're and now they're involved with stab high stuff i did some stuff with them last year so it's just kind of it's it's a it's loose there's nothing like in my contract that says go do this but you know there's just certain things that i guess um you know and uh, that i'm on the team for where they're like okay yeah dylan we want dylan on this or you know um this guy on that and and that way they can kind of Rubik's cube, whatever event or scenario they're having so that they feel like they're represented in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now that weird waves is so well established, are there expectations? Are they tracking the metrics of yeah. the videos? Yeah. Because, okay. They are. <laughs> <laughs> because I look at the, so I look at the breaking wave stuff and I'm like, this is awesome it's groundbreaking it has more gravity has more weight congratulations pat on the back but then mm -hmm. i look at the metrics and i'm like yeah. well these these have forty thousand views whereas the weird wave stuff has a quarter of a million views so yeah. i mean the heart says go ahead and do more meaningful things yeah ignore ignore what the views say but the sponsor might be saying no make more weird waves that gets the views yeah, well, I think they are looking at that stuff. Um, but that's another rad thing about bands is they also understand the, I guess, you know, and they think about meaningful views also, like what is more meaningful, what's going to have like a lasting impression on that viewer that, you know, maybe is more impactful than say, yeah, say you're getting like 400,000 views, but, you know, half of them clicked off like you know a minute in but they gave you the tick it's like well what's you know yeah. what's what how do you value um and that's another hard thing that's you know when you're looking at those kinds of things it's like yeah you're looking at the numbers and that's been a huge thing with uh you know in our in our sport and in any industry you're just trying to get eyeballs and you know but um yeah, I guess they're, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about those meaningful eyeballs and, and it's just speculation, but at the same time, um, I have had just straight up like, you know, paragraph comments on both my Instagram and YouTube of people, you know, after watching breaking waves that were like, wow, this was, you know, I can't 
thank you enough for making this, you know, this piece, blah, blah, blah. And they go on and on. It's like, how often do you get that much of someone who cares in like a comment? And that's kind of, I feel like, you know, what we're, what we're after. Um, you know, I, they see the value in it. I see the value in it. And like I said before, I think following, you know, things that um, have meaning to both yourself and a company, like that's going to come through, I, you know, um, on some level. So yeah, it might not be for everybody, but, you know, at least you're kind of connecting with people in a unique way. Another thing that's super important to keep in mind for people running brands and making decisions is that the 40,000 views on breaking waves could be that might represent a brand new audience. Yeah. And, and so what blows my mind about the racism that's existed in surfing or just the homogeneity that's existed in surfing in general is it's not good for the bottom line. Like if you're only representing you know, white, relatively young white dudes on thrusters that only appeals to a certain uh, demographic of viewership. And like I stated in my experience, I realized the surfing world is much broader. And so if you have different genders, different uh, skin colored people in your magazines, in your advertising, wearing your products on your website, whatever it is, you start to open up who your consumer base is. And so, you know, if you're just generating the same surf vlog content over and over, it caters to the exact same community that's always existed in surfing by what you're doing with breaking waves. Again, I think it's a brand new audience that was never accessed before. And Mm. again, could be the broadest audience of all. As soon as you cultivate it and cater to it, you know, it's being inclusive having uh, different ethnicities on your board of directors, all of that thing is actually good for the bottom line. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause well, it's, you know, having, it's the, it's pushing, you know, it, it, like I think having all sort of minds that are on the, you know, yeah. Board of directors or in any room kind of looking in the same lane, like, you're going to stay in that lane if you exactly. have, you know, other, if you open other lanes and then, and then, you know, that kind of, and different perspectives, like I think, you know, everyone needs that. Every industry needs more perspective. Like you can't have enough perspective. Um, so yeah, anything that, that sort of helps get anybody out of their comfort zone, like, hell yeah. Like we need that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, in regards to the production company and you wearing the producer hat and working with Dave, yeah. any, are there any feature films in the works or being conceived of? Cause I know Dave's done that in the past. Yeah. Um, well, there's definitely some ideas. Like we, we have, there's no shortage of our ideas between right. um, me and Dave. <laughs> Anyone who, who uh, there's, any uh tv execs out there listening hit us up would love to talk to you um yeah there's tons of ideas nothing concrete like nothing we're doing um you know or actively trying to do ourselves but we we kind of have i would say like a handful of stuff that we're pretty excited about in the future but 
I guess for now we're just we kind of have our hands full with uh, you know everything with with uh, weird waves and and um, breaking waves like that doing weird waves and breaking waves in the same year was a lot um, and it's kind of pushed uh, you know production back for for weird waves because now we're kind of like you know it's just me and Dave doing doing all this and we made you know there that was six episodes um, that were conceptualizing shooting. Um, editing making the music for uh and <laughs> yeah like just a t it's just a lot of work but we enjoy the process of it and kind of taking our time with it so I feel like I don't know people um I do get hit up a lot on my Instagrams and stuff of people wanting us to do more and release more of weird waves but um and it's not that I don't want to do that but I wouldn't want to just put more meaningless stuff out there you know, right. and I also wouldn't want the process of it to be meaningless for either me or Dave, because then what's the point, you know, yeah. and I feel like that comes through in the piece when, when it means something to you, like the person who's making it, um, that definitely like comes through and you can tell, like I, you know, I watch videos all the time and I, you know, love seeing, you know, new ideas and, and stuff in surf, but there are a lot of edits where you're just kind of like, did that person even care about what they just put out? Like, <laughs> no, did it, did that mean anything to them? And you feel that you're like, yeah, like that, that gave me nothing right there. Like, <laughs> totally. That's unfortunate because that person's missing out on like a really cool experience um, of, you know, just the, the process. Like, I think that's what I'm more interested in. Like, I, you know, even if it is just, you know, your standard surf edit, I, I want to try to push myself to do something slightly differently um, or do something new or, I don't know, try to learn something new in Premiere, After Effects or whatever, because um, that's the point of all this. Yeah. Or to me, it is. <laughs> Good. Well, it shows. It shows in the work. I think the thing that you're talking about, did that person even care? that's a whole different style of vlogging, you mm -hmm. know, where it's like just rush through production, rush to publish, get two videos out a week, all that. And um, that has an audience too. And there's a certain, yeah. I don't know, charm well, to that, I suppose, but it's a different thing entirely. Yeah. I mean, there are like, there's, there's vlogs that care though, too. Like I would say, you know, Ben Gravy's vlog, he cares like you and you feel that like <laughs> in his stuff and yeah it is that style of, of doing thing of of doing that um and and that's rad and and then there's other ways of doing it and I think that's I guess what I would like to see more of with um upcoming generations is just finding your own finding a new lane like keep like that's you know progression yeah and, and well, progression is also, you know, yeah, it happens on a surfboard and you can do a new trick and, or catch the biggest wave or get the longest barrel, but there's also other ways to get, um, to progress our sport that are not being thought about. Totally. Um, will you run out of weird waves to feature and to surf? <laughs> it, the list keeps growing as we're doing them. So does it? Yeah. At this stage, no, like okay, I would cool. say we could, we could be doing, doing weird ways for the next like 10, 15 years. If, 
Wow. As long as Vans is, uh, you know, helping us out. <laughs> uh, Perfect. Yeah. What surf media are you following nowadays? Um, and or vlogs and that sort of stuff. I really like, uh, I like what Nathan Florence is doing. I think he's like kind of created a, a cool lane for himself and it's cool to just see someone being themselves. Like he's just a, a goofy dude, but, and then also like super gnarly dude, like big wave stuff and all his like POV stuff that he's doing is kind of, kind of mind blowing. Yeah. Um, I would say. And then, um, yeah, I, I really like uh, chapter 11 and everything uh, Dane's doing and all those, the, the Ventura boys, that's cool. You know, like just doing something with your friends. Um, you know, he always, I feel like evokes emotion, even though it's all like surf, you know, it's just, it's surf porn, but I feel like he's always bringing that X factor, something different somehow. Um, where you're kind of like, he keeps you excited to watch. Um, obviously his surfing's incredible and same with all that, like the Ventura boys, but, um, yeah, I think there's, there's that deeper level of like thought that goes into it. And you feel that with, with, uh, with his edits and, um, I watch it all. Like, I mean, I, I watch like WSL heats too. And, um, you know, follow along. I was just actually a friend of mine, um, Havana Cabrero. She's over here competing in the, um, the snapper event. I went down and watched her heat. Um, she's an amazing talent coming out of Puerto Rico. And I was super proud to see her qualify for that. And, you know, like, even though I'm not like competing, I still, I have respect for competitors and what they're, they're trying to do. And I think, you know, if Havana like qualifies, that's, huge you know like she'd be the first puerto rican ever to qualify so um yeah good luck to her and um, how'd, how'd she do in the event she ended up going she she didn't make it past her first heat um but it was her first uh like prime and so yeah she's got a lot to learn and a lot to uh you know in, improve on but she's on her journey and it's rad she's fired up she's got her dad carlos cabrero who was like my hero oh yeah uh, growing up. Um, so she's, you know, she's surfing royalty from Puerto Rico and, uh, yeah, she's heading down to Manly today to compete down there. So good luck. How old is she? <laughs> she's, I think she's 21. Okay. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. All right. I'll keep my eyes out. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's funny. You were saying earlier, like, about doing the free surf thing and being able to create a lane or a path or something for young kids to aspire to. I felt like there's been periods of time where the best surfing in the world wasn't necessarily happening on the WSL or the CT mm -hmm. level, just because the judging format maybe didn't allow, you know, Dane wants to do a crazy blow tail at Holiva or whatever the turn mm -hmm. was at the time. Yeah. And and then it doesn't get the score or, you know, uh, Josh Kerr's club sandwich at snapper way back in the day and it doesn't yeah. get scored. And so yeah. you see a certain regressive format on the world tour. And mm -hmm. then that created a lane for 
free surfers to go out and do gnarlier airs and gnarlier tricks than we were seeing on the world tour. But there has been the last couple of years, the world tour does the gnarliest airs of the year often are happening at, on that venue, you know, on that, um, on that tour now. So it's kind of rad and it gives me much more reason to watch, you know? Yeah, I would agree. I think they've kind of adjusted and it's good to see, um, you know, uh, them do that, but yeah, I guess, you know, they're, they do put a box on surfing, you know, which is really hard to, I would say like that, you know, for, for myself, surfing is something that's always never like, there's not like a court with lines on it, right? you know? And like, so, and that's what I loved about it. So always competing to me just felt like such a small view of what the sport was. And yes, it's like, I get what they're doing there and they have a great platform and I, you know, and they're helping people have careers and I love, love that. Um, but there's still the fact remains that they're trying to put a court over the ocean, which like on a, you know, personal level, I just don't agree with. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's not what, you know, I want my experience to be in the ocean. Um, but yes, I, you know, hats off to all those guys and what they do and, you know, and inside of whatever 30 minutes, what, what they can do in a heat now is just mind blowing. Um, and yeah, I definitely the, have enjoyed watching, uh, more recently. In the the competitive. Week. Yeah. It's like when they're running heats at pipe this year, that makes perfect sense. The competitive thing makes perfect sense because yeah. the court that you're talking about is the same court that they'd be doing in a free surf session out there as well. There's really one yeah. thing you want to do out there is get shacked on a eight footer or 10 footer or whatever, right. but it's a lot, the competitive thing is a lot less applicable or hard to understand at lowers or rippable beach breaks or anything like that, you know, or even long point breaks, I suppose. I would say beach breaks are like the most random because you're just like, yeah, or just the, the well, they are the lamest court, you know, because totally it's, it's too random, like for, you know, really um, anyone could could win at a beach break, which is also exciting if you look at it like that. I mean, it depends on how you're, you're looking at it, um, but it does level the playing field where I feel like really good waves really highlight the really good surfers because you have to like put in your time. Like, you know, we watch John John at Pipe or John, just John John and good waves in general. He's just level. He's that much beyond everybody else. And it's so noticeable when it's really good he knows exactly what to do where most people um i guess don't necessarily have that gear <laughs> right which is what's that's really what you want to see and that's what progresses the sport is yeah. the fine tuning of the best in the world in the best waves that nobody else can ride you know that's yeah. what you want to see exactly so. yeah i mean you just you want to see every you want to see any surfer any server you're watching, you want to see them do, uh, like push themselves to the maximum exactly. level. I think totally. that's, you know, that's definitely the, that's the goal, you know, and that's totally. what I feel like skating does a good job of, of that. You know, even if your level is this, it's just as fun to watch someone like 
go to there as it is for this person over here to go to there. It's like, well, that guy did that. Um, I feel like surfing could use a little bit more of that, just highlighting that, hey, any progression is rad on any level. Totally. How old are you? I'm 36. Okay. Do you have to manage, do you have to manage your diet and exercise more now than ever? And what does that look like for you? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like injuries take longer to heal. (laughs) Um, yeah, I have to like, you know, before I've always done some form of like, you know, training or preparation. Um, you know, I've always liked uh, surfing bigger waves and pushing myself and feeling comfortable in bigger conditions. And so I feel like there's always been a level of that where I feel like I have to, you know, like you don't want to be out there on a good day and not feel like you can push yourself. So I've always had some form of, of training, I guess. Um, but it's definitely gotten, uh, more, you know, now I've focused and made it more of a priority because I'm, you know, if I don't, I swear if like, I don't know, I don't like stretch like in the morning or, you know, at the end of the day or whatever, it's like my freaking back locks up or something. (laughs) Dude, this is hectic. Uh, just feel like I'm calcifying. (laughs) It's only going to get worse now. I'm like, exactly. It's like, shit. (laughs) So do you have a specific regime? Do you have a specific training regime or, uh, Um, yeah, I do a lot of yoga and Pilates. I feel like Pilates is like the best thing um, for for surfing. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I think it's, it's crazy. I just feel so good. I feel like I can surf like definitely better than I've ever surfed before because of like Pilates. Yeah. Um, I got to get on that. Yeah. You you should. (laughs) (laughs) What about diet? Is there anything that you cut out or don't do? No, I'm pretty, I think that's the next thing, but man, I, yeah, I'm a pretty, I like junk food and (laughs) all that, which, um, is definitely a bad habit, but, uh, you know, it's got to save some things for whatever, I guess just, you know, that's something I've been putting off to progress. And I, you know, I guess maybe that's next. Who knows? Gotcha. We'll see. Um, final question for everybody is just what was the last surfboard that you rode or what, what are you riding right now? Um, I was riding uh, white noise, but Hayden shapes. Um, Break it down. What is it? It's just a standard, like stock standard thruster shortboard. Um, the waves were really good here in Oz. And um, yeah, that's just, I feel like once when the waves are good, like and have push and have shape, you really can't beat a thruster with where you just, you know, it's effectiveness of where, you know, you can get to on a wave and you know how quickly. Um, but you know, yeah, that being said, I was riding uh twin fin like a couple of days before when it was kind of crappier and not as fun. And I think that's kind of what I'm, I'm learning to really enjoy certain boards and certain conditions. And, you know, I guess thinking about what, board I would allow me to do like the best or just what I feel like doing on that whatever whatever given day 
Well, yeah. thanks for adjusting the schedule to make this happen and uh, taking so much time too. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, uh, it was good chatting with you. Yeah, you too. Good to connect finally. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Indeed. Thanks so much. I'll be looking forward for uh, the next videos to drop too. Cool. Yeah. Um, hopefully, hopefully soon. I'm waiting to hear uh, when season four is going to release. Um, it's already shot and done, so we're just waiting for fans to release it. Epic. Can't wait. Yep. Right on. Thanks, Dylan. All right. Thanks, David. All right. Later. Awesome. Later. Wishing on a memory Hoping you were sitting Thinking of me Thank you, Dylan Graves. Um, I have linked, of course, to all of his information on Surf Splendor podcast. So his Instagram is at Dylan Graves. And then I've embedded the Breaking Waves videos, of which there's two from last year, and then a number of his Weird Waves videos from the last couple of seasons. Uh, those are wildly entertaining. So uh, I think I've seen all of them from all three seasons. And they were nominated for a Webby Award this past year. I think it was a like an honorable mention category or something like that. But they were nominated for season three of Weird Waves. So huge congratulations. He and David Malcolm, of course, are doing fantastic work. So bravo to you guys. And I hope to see tons more of it. Uh, thanks, guys, for that. It's really, really epic. So find it all on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Oh, our winner. We're giving away a free scrubber, Channel Island's free scrubber. We were promoting all through the month of May. We actually pulled a winner out of the hat uh, this morning, and Brian Huang is the gentleman's name. So congratulations to Brian Huang. Uh, he has been, I clicked through his profile, because um, he's, of course, a paid subscriber, supporter of our work, and it looks like he's been supporting us for the last two years. So that's epic. Thank you so much for that, Brian, the continued support. And um, if you'd like to support our work, it goes a long way to uh, maintaining this production. And we do these surfboard giveaways. And this month, we are going to be promoting an album free wing. So Jack Freestone's new model with album that they just released a couple of weeks ago. We're going to give away one of those. It's a pretty epic little modified shortboard. So it's high performance, but user friendly, I would say. And we'll get Matt Parker on to explain all the design details. But if you want to win that board, uh, you can get entered anytime in the month of June. Before the final minute of the final day of June, we will pick the winner on July 1st. You could set up your support on surfsplendorpodcast.com. It's only $5 a month. And it, again, like I said, is a building block of our business. So thank you for doing that. Thank you, Dylan Graves. And thank you to all of our sponsors, of course, Florence Marine X, Slowtide.co, Real Water Sports, and of course, LinkedIn.com slash surf. And thank you to all of you listeners whom without this would not be possible. Uh, we've got new episodes going out of Spit and the Grit this week. Bumped back a day just due to Memorial Day holiday on Monday. And then we'll be back here on Surf Splendor next week. So thank you for listening. My name is David Scales. And until next week, of course, I'm encouraging you to get back into the ocean, share some waves, and of course, shred on. Wishing on a member